This is the Intuitive Leadership Mastery Podcast. What would it take for you to double your profits and half your stress with your intuition? Learn how with your host, Michael Light. Hi, welcome back to the show. I'm here with Anna Wickham, who is a content marketing expert, but who had an incredible experience uh, in the last year. And she went from not using her intuition at all and, and probably wondering why people even had intuition in their businesses to now she uses it all the time. So a very interesting story. And she's going to reveal some rock bottom moments that she's had in her business uh, and life that led her to this change. And also, she has some very interesting insight uh, about how not to cover up pain um, that you have in your business or life and um, how to also have consciousness about all this stuff. So welcome, Anna. Thank you, Michael. I'm so excited to be here. So I am excited too. And I, I know now, you know, you you used to do other people's content marketing, but now you actually teach other business owners how to market online and how to be an influencer. So quite an amazing transformation there as well. Yes, that's a big part of, of the story. I hope we get to tell today for sure, because that was part of a transformation. So when I first met you, it was probably about three years ago at the DCBKK conference in Bangkok. And I, you know, I know we had a conversation with a group of other entrepreneurs about mindfulness, consciousness, intuition. Um, but tell us how you you felt about that conversation at the time. You know, Michael, it's funny because I don't even know, looking back, why I was there. Why was that? Why did I go to that meetup? I think it was because I wanted to go to a meetup. Um, during that time slot, it was like lunch, I think it was poolside. And I thought, well, this will be a good place to meet people. And I have this time slot available. That must have been the only reason I was there because that meetup was a small gathering of some very intuitive minded entrepreneurs, including you, Michael, and a, um, a few other several coaches and non coaches. Um, I don't think I knew what intuitive meant. It was one of my first business conferences ever. So looking back, I feel that that was uh, maybe intentional by the universe to bring it all for full circle. But that's where I met you, Michael. And everyone was talking about intuition and, and mindfulness in business. And it. I had no idea what you all were talking about. I was just there to meet people, I think. <laughs> Well, you certainly met some people. So you didn't use intuition in your business at all, or, or and you weren't in touch with your spirituality in any way. Is that where you were? Yes, I was all 100% logic. I thought I was so superior. I was applying only logic, never feelings, data, um, or at least that's the way I thought I was doing what I felt was best, but I was ignoring my intuition. I did not know how to follow it or to even hear it. Um, and I would follow what I thought that would work. I'd often look at what other people were doing. I was just starting out, of course. And so um, I, I think just starting out, you specifically for beginning entrepreneurs, you are not tending to listen to your intuition because you feel that everybody knows better than you when really your intuition, it will always guide you. 
So how did using your logic and not listening to your intuition at all, how, how did that work out uh, you know, for your business? Did it make, make you successful? Did it make you happy? Um, it, I definitely did okay with my business for the first couple of years without using any of my intuition. Who knows how much I missed out on during that time, you know, not using my intuition, not knowing how to follow that. But, um, I was constantly working very, very hard. I felt that I was going, it was like swimming upstream, but everyone told me that owning a business was really difficult and I had never done it before. So I just assumed that Oh, well, the reason this is hard, the reason I feel like I'm constantly swimming upstream, constantly working so hard is because that just must be what it's like to have a business. Everyone says it's hard and this must be what they're talking about. Little did I know it was not supposed to be that hard. And I definitely got to the point of burnout. Um, When things wouldn't work, I would just try to work harder. When really that was the universe's way of saying, I have a better plan for you. I have, there's something better for you that you're better suited for. And that's how you're going to change the world. But I didn't want to do it that way. I wanted to do it my way and all with the best intention. I mean, all with the best, I I thought I was doing the best. I was doing the best I could, but, um, I thought I was doing the right thing, but it all kind of came crashing down, um, over the last year or so. And I'm very glad it did because it was only through all of that crashing down that I was able to rebuild and rebuild something that I know I'm meant to build and something that I know is going to change people's lives. So, you know, it's almost like you were driving a car with a GPS in it telling you, turn left, Anna, turn left. But you'd worked out a logical plan and you were copying what the other drivers were doing and you were just piling into a terrible traffic jam and struggling. And and instead of turning down the rock music you had playing to keep you distracted so you didn't have to hear that inner voice GPS, you just kept on driving harder and getting burned out. Such a perfect metaphor. That's exactly right. Um, my GPS was telling me... me which way to go. Uh, but I wasn't, I I had my own plan and I didn't think that my intuition knew what it was talking about. I didn't think I knew what I was talking about and I was going to do it my way. And, uh, so that's, that's what happened. And it ended up being, like I said, just feel like you're driving in a traffic jam or swimming upstream, however you want to call it when really it, you know, having a business is a challenge, but it's not that it's not so hard. It's not as hard as I was making it. And I was, I mean, to the point of physical exhaustion most of the time. And I just thought that was what was required. But um, little did I know that you're, we're not meant to do that to ourselves. It, it's not, if it's that hard, you're probably not where you're supposed to be. So this, that was the before you started listening to your intuition in your business. What's the after like, just to compare? Oh, well, my life is so much more peaceful and more balanced now, for one. So just talking about, not even talking about business success, but talking about my own life experience is just so much better day to day. Um, I have things that I never knew I could have. And business-wise, it's just so much easier, so much more peaceful, so much less work. I accept the the gifts that are in my life, even if they were unexpected. For example, if 
you know, if I get some unexpected advice or an unexpected mentor in the past, I would have just thought of that as a distraction from my plan. But now I see that as the universe bringing resources into my life that is going to save me time and take me down the right path. So it's just, it's night and day. And when you're doing the work that is in your zone of genius, you're doing the work that you're meant to do, then it just happens very naturally. So do you find your you make more success in your business now? Uh, or are you happier or both? Or Absolutely both. Um, my work is not only more profitable, but more fulfilling. Uh, absolutely more fulfilling for me. And it's more, before I didn't believe in, you know, I wasn't into personal development. I wasn't into intuition. So I wasn't there to change lives. I was there to make money. And that was my primary goal because I thought that's what business was about. And of course, as we know, business is about making money, but you, the abundance will naturally come when you're living in your purpose, when you're, you're following your intuition. And now I found that my purpose in life is so much greater than making a business profit. That's part of it too. But I'm much happier. My business is more successful. I'm working less and making more, working less and having more time for myself and happier. So all around, I'm just very grateful that I got to this place from where I was. And it sounds like you're healthier as well. Yes, I was constantly before cutting corners with myself uh, in order to give more time to the business, but it was never enough. So I would constantly say, oh, well, I don't have time to go to the gym this week or I don't have time to, I'll just grab a quick meal out, uh, some fast food or something. I don't have time. I'm just, I'm so busy. But now I'm, you know, gym time, my yoga time, my meditation practice, my health is non-negotiable. And somehow that multiplies my time. And I always have more than enough time to get everything done for the business that I need to get done and then have some left over. So, it, you know, although you got some burnout and, and you had some, you know, sickness occur, you, you managed to avoid a complete burnout or a heart attack or, or something that, you know, many of these things happen to entrepreneurs after they've been burning the candle at both ends and struggling away uh, for a long time. So that, that's great that you avoided a serious health challenge. Yes, you could say that, although I I did experience quite a bit of, you know, anxiety as I was going through my the process of growth. There was a lot of pain involved in confronting all the things that I hadn't confronted. So no, uh, besides, you know, getting sick and burning myself out from never sleeping because I was working so much and not taking care of myself, um, there were consequences. But yeah, I feel very fortunate. Mm. So you mentioned that you had at least two rock bottom moments or, or there's two you're going to share with us. And uh, one of them, you involved alcohol. Can you tell us about, mm. about that rock bottom moment? Um, yes, I, I wrote a blog post about this and I, um, we can link to it. So can find it and read the full story. But I was uh, living the digital nomad life. I'm not really nomadic very much anymore. But at the time I was living in Saigon, Vietnam, which is a great party scene. <laughs> and I, I was 
working and partying. Those are the and sleeping when I was too exhausted to do either one. So those were the basically the three things I was doing. If I wasn't working, I was partying. And I was drinking increase a lot, drinking increasingly and partying a lot. And one night, it was a Sunday night, I went out. Actually, I went out on Sunday afternoon, like 4 p.m. And then I didn't come home until 5 a.m. on Monday morning. And I couldn't believe it. It was a Sunday night. I woke up on Monday morning and I couldn't work all day Monday. My team was was chatting with me. They were working on my business, but I was too hungover. And I was so, so, so ashamed. I don't know that I've ever felt shame like I did that day. And I realized that I really needed to make a serious change because my life wasn't looking the way that I wanted it to look. And I, I didn't decide... I was an alcoholic. I didn't decide that I needed to quit drinking forever and ever and never have another drop. But I did decide that I needed to quit drinking for the time being until I figured out how I could live a more balanced life. I wanted to feel that I was in control, that where at the time I felt that alcohol was really in control, and it was. Hmm. And and this wasn't like an isolated occurrence, I'm guessing. I mean, maybe that was the rock bottom part, but you, you'd had more to drink than maybe was wise and had hangovers that affected your health and energy and maybe affected your work before? Yes, for sure. I managed to not, I was working so much on weekdays that I didn't even have time to drink. I mostly confined it to the weekends, but I was becoming more and more passionate about my work and about entrepreneurship. And I wanted to explore side projects and read business books and read personal development books on the weekends. And I would try or go to yoga even, or just go for a run. There were so many things I wanted to do with my free time. And I realized that even if I went out Friday night, I'd say, oh, I'll just go, I'll read, I'll go running on Saturday. As long as there was alcohol involved, nothing, nothing else got done. Hmm. So you decided to to just stop drinking for the moment. How long did that last, that not drinking phase? Uh, I'm still not drinking. It's been, that was, the day I decided to quit drinking was December, I think, 8th or 9th, 2015. Wait, sorry. Anyway, a year, 13 months ago. What year is this? 17. So it would have been 15, 2015. And the very end of 2015. So I haven't had a drink since then. And I don't have any intention of, of starting to drink again. Although I, I don't know if it'll last my whole life or not. That's really not important. I, I think that false dichotomy of, you know, so are you an alcoholic? Or are you not an alcoholic? Are you going to quit drinking for the rest of your life? Or are you not? You don't have to choose those things. You don't have to go so far. You know, for me, it was just... Right now, it's not serving me. I don't see it serving me anytime in the near future, and I'll figure out the rest of my life later. Right now, I'm happy. So after you stopped drinking, did everything become uh, happy and successful the next day, or how, how did things unroll? Well, it was certainly an improvement. Um, I had lots of time to read all the things I wanted to do, read, go to yoga, run, um, start side projects, writing. Um, that was great, but it wasn't what I expected. And I, I quickly filled 
that void with work because I wasn't aware that I was using alcohol to fill a void. I was using more the traditional, um, like I said, the dichotomy, the traditional view of, oh, so, you know, obviously you're someone who, who can't drink alcohol. The problem is with alcohol alcohol. The problem was not with alcohol. And that's what I wish more people understood. The problem was using something, and my my choice was alcohol, to uh, not experience feelings that I didn't want to experience. And so because I didn't realize what was going on, I quickly filled that, that void that alcohol was filling. So alcohol was gone. So quickly filled that with work. And so over the next few months, I was working a lot you know, I made sure that I had tons of work on my plate, lots of projects and deadlines that I needed to meet, lots of speaking, lots of presentation preparations, just give myself lots of stuff so that I, the work never ran out. And I would work till 10 or 11 o'clock at night, sleep five, six hours, and then do it all again the next day, all in the name of, oh, well, I'm super busy and I have a lot of things going on. But what was really going on was that there were some things I didn't want to face and now I didn't have alcohol to, to numb those things. So could, would you be okay sharing some of the, the things you didn't want to face? Um, yeah, sure. I guess I, I always thought that there was something, and this is a very common human experience of an innate flaw. And yeah, I felt a deep shame about who I was and, And there was something, there were things wrong with me that were innate flaws. And I'm so grateful that I had this, all this experience, because now I know that not only do I have no innate flaws, but no one does. And so it's a huge mindset shift. And it's definitely helped me encourage what I do now is I lead and inspire and coach business owners. And many people might feel that way about themselves, their business. Oh, this is, I must just not know what I'm doing. I must just not, there's something wrong with me. There's not anything wrong with any of us. And that's what I, that's what I learned. And that's what I was trying to block the shame of. So you, you had great feelings of pain around feeling that you weren't good enough and you'd been covering it up with alcohol and then you covered it up with work. uh, And then you finally got to the realization that you didn't need to cover this up because it wasn't true? Um, yes, eventually. But it took me a long time to get there. First, I had to confront the pain because it was interfering with my, of course, it was interfering with my life with alcohol. But I finally came to the point, um, some stuff was going on with my agency. I had a content marketing agency at the time. So this was about six months later. So it was December 2015, I quit drinking. All, all through the, the winter and spring, of 2016, I was just work, 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 work all the time. And then around the summer, some abrupt stuff happened with, with work. Um, I basically realized that my agency was not going anywhere. I would get more clients, but then I'd have more expenses, get more clients, more expenses. It was a never ending circle. And I realized that it it wasn't going to work for me. And so I I just laid in the floor. I've told this story a few times now. I just laid in my living room floor and because I didn't have anything to work on at that point. I had realized that what I was working on wasn't going to work. So I needed to think of something else. And it was at that time when I, I wasn't drinking, I wasn't working. And so I was just laying there trying to figure out what I was going to do. And that was the point at which I couldn't 
ignore the pain any longer. And so I, I started, I kind of, it was kind of like a, that was my second low point that you were talking about. So the first rock bottom moment was having to confront, okay, drinking is, is something that's interfering with my my life and I have to make a decision to salvage my life here. This is just going to get worse. And the second rock bottom was, was realizing, okay, there's something I'm missing here because nothing in my life is working. Um, clearly there's some, some deep pain and I need to find a healthy way to deal with it. Cause the only other way I know how to deal with it is to bury myself in work and drink a lot of alcohol. And I didn't want to do those things. So I thought, so that's when I started searching for, I said, okay, there must be a healthy way to handle this. And so I started reading every book I could get my hands on. Um, I, I got a therapist, I got a life coach and through those different modes, I started being very intentional and serious about my meditation practice. And over time, that's when I started dealing with the pain and realizing that it was, um, that, that the flaw was all an illusion and it is for all of us. So those are great things for other entrepreneurs to realize that we can ask for help, whether it's through coaching or uh, friends or mastermind, but something where people are going to help us. And then the other key thing I heard that you did was that you created uh, time and space in your life to be able to, you know, hear what was going on and experience and move through the pain to the other side. Yes, I prioritized my my support through my coach and my therapist and my meditation, and I made time for enough sleep for the first time. I, I, yeah, I took care of myself, and I made had to make space in my life. In fact, it took several months of I wasn't working that much at all. Fortunately, um, I had built my business through systems in such a way that my, you know, I didn't have to stay that so busy working ten hours a day with work. Um, I, I was able to carve out time to to heal myself. And it was a big time commitment, Michael. I mean, it wasn't for several months. It was my primary. It's still my primary focus and always will be. But I mean, when you haven't done any healing in your entire life, there's a lot of stuff to heal. And when you haven't done any personal development, any intuitive work, there's a lot of stuff to go through. And so for several months, Work was kind of on the back burner because I knew that in order to remain an entrepreneur then and in order to be happy that I needed to take this healing time. And I'm so glad I did. So were there any books you found particularly useful in this healing time? Oh, so many. Um Absolutely. So I didn't read that many books about alcohol. I didn't find it that difficult to quit alcohol, actually. Um, so I didn't read a lot of books specifically for, um, and I think deep down, I didn't feel that I had that kind of problem with alcohol. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then, um, so yeah, I read um, Louise Hay, You Can Heal Your Life was phenomenal and life-changing for me. Uh, recently, I read The Big Leap. And that was incredible in uncovering that uh, the innate flaw scenario. He talks a lot about that. I'd highly recommend The Big Leap. That's uh, Gay Hendricks is the author there. Um, incredible book on spirituality for those just exploring it. Michael Singer's um, 
the te- un- the untethered soul is that what it's called yeah that's it the untethered soul yeah several more that i can't probably think of off the top of my head but and then oh i read a lot of brene brown um she writes about vulnerability and shame which goes down to that deep shame that deep pain um i read i read so many books in the last six or eight months i mean i just could not get enough of it and how did you decide which books were going to work for you um intuition really i would just go with whatever was really speaking to me and one book opens the door and opens your mind and teaches you something and, and then you know something you didn't know before then you pursue those things for example sabotage i didn't know self-sabotage existed and i would read one book and it would introduce me to that concept and then i would know oh that's great i want to read more about that so i would just follow a rabbit trail i'm still following a rabbit trail of, of books i'd read one author and, and they'd recommend someone else and I'd read that one and, it, and it, I'll never run out in my whole life I'm sure <laughs> <laughs> so you work through your alcohol you work through your workahol- workaholism or whatever the phrase is using work to cover up pain <laughs> are, are there other things that other entrepreneurs might be addicted to but not realize it that they use to cover up their pain Oh, absolutely. Anything can be used. Um, and it all, it just depends on your, your personality and your, the things you prefer for me. Um, alcohol was great. I liked everything about it. Um, a lot of people, uh, yeah. So food is one, um, that I think is used a lot in the U S because it's socially acceptable and it's abundant. Um, what other things, a lot of, some people say that using your phone, being on your phone, being on social media mindlessly on our phones all the time is one of the most common ways to avoid feeling anything. So so I'm conscious of my phone use and my computer use, reading the news mindlessly, reading stock, you know, trading stocks or reading stock news, whatever it is, everyone has a different way. Um, Video games, um, sleep. A lot of people just when they when they feel things they don't want to feel, they go to sleep. That is not something I could do. It's not my disposition, but I've heard it a lot. So it's not, and Michael, you said this when we were chatting before, and it's so true. It's not, there's nothing wrong innately, and I said this in my blog post as well. There's nothing wrong innately with eating, of course. There's nothing wrong, I don't believe, innately with drinking alcohol. I don't believe there's anything innately wrong with video games or being on our phones. You have to ask yourself your motive, um, and what what is it that causes you to pick up your phone? What is it that causes you to pick up a drink? What is it that causes you to take midday naps? Nothing wrong with that. It's all about your motivation. So how do you figure out what your motivation is before you reach for that beer or reach for that video game or turn on the TV to some mindless programming just to take the pain away? Yeah, the key is mindfulness and consciousness, uh, you know, as you, I'm sure, well know. Uh, it's, and the, the key to mindfulness, for me at least, is the, non, the whole aspect of non-judgmental observation. And too often we are so hard, and actually this was a huge part of my own recovery. I was so hard on myself and expected myself to be perfect that I was unable to consciously witness 
when I was doing something that I didn't approve of. And so it took a lot of work in the area of self-compassion for me to be able to observe things about myself that I wanted to change or that, that I noticed, for example, oh, you know, I see you're picking up your phone right now. Is there something that you're not dealing with that you know you need to deal with? And you can't have that conversation with yourself if you're too hard on yourself, if you're too judgmental with yourself. You will just choose not to see it. And so the first step is to admit that we all have things we need to work on. We None of us is perfect. It's okay. And only when you experience that self-love and compassion can you can you honestly come to yourself and say, oh, look, you're picking up that drink or you're picking up that, that serving of food when you know you're already full. So you can't say that. You can't be mean to yourself in that moment. Then you'll feel that rush of shame and you'll avoid it in the future. You have to come to yourself with compassion. I, I think that's very wise advice. And I'm imagining we have some listeners who are thinking, yeah, that works for Anna, but you know, how can I be more self-loving or self-compassionate? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that, Michael, because I am the post I did not know what compassion was. Of course, if you're not compassionate with yourself, you're just as hard on others and vice versa. And so I was very diff- probably difficult to work with. I had no self-compassion. I am the poster child of before and after. So if anyone knows what it's like, I I didn't know you were supposed to love yourself. Remember, I was sleep I wasn't sleeping, I wasn't taking care of myself. I didn't know you were supposed to do that. And so it's it's so key for all of us and I had to deliberately cultivate it. It was not easy or natural for me, not at all. I read a book, Kristen Neff. That's another one you can include. Hopefully, we can write all these books in the in the show notes here. But yes, Kristen we'll Neff wrote the... a book called Self Compassion. Awesome, yeah. Um, there's a whole book about self compassion, and I highly recommend it by Kristen Neff. And she has meditations, self compassion meditations that I use all the time. So, no, it did not come naturally to me. Not only that, but I didn't even know it existed. So <laughs> I understand completely feeling that self-compassion is contrary to how you naturally are. But take it from me, it can be cultivated from nothing because I did it. And do you think self-compassion is not just important in your life, but is actually a key to having a successful and happy business? Oh, absolutely. Anyone who's... Anyone who's um, Harsh on others is all is just as harsh or harsher on themselves. So as harsh as I was on myself, I was also harsh on others. I was I, I expected perfection from myself, and therefore I expected perfection from others. That included my team, my clients, and it probably deterred, you know, probably meant missing out on business opportunities because I expected perfection of other people. Um, because if you believe that. If you can't see your flaws because you can't stand to look at them, then you will think you're perfect and therefore you will expect other people to be perfect. And so absolutely, um, being kinder to myself and more compassionate with myself has allowed me to be more compassionate with everyone in my life. And it has made my business thrive more and my, my personal relationships thrive more as well. It's been the key to opening a huge door to abundance and contentment. Well, I I think that would be a great takeaway from this episode to, you know, look at self-compassion, look at mindfulness. 
Are there any other things you think are important in, in developing your intuitive abilities in your business? Hmm. I know there's so much more. I just, you know, Michael, I just started doing this in, let's say, July, June, July of 2016. So not even a year have I been steeped in in this kind of work and mindfulness and everything. So it's still so new to me, and I know there's so much more to go. But just follow your own intuition as you journey through uh, your healing and your spiritual journey because it will take you to the next level every time. I think that's a great start for anyone who's just getting started or even those who do already have a a spiritual journey and a spiritual practice. So um, those are my main takeaways for sure is to just love yourself and take care of yourself and be kind to yourself and everything else kind of falls into place. And I think that's a great piece of advice. It would be kind of useful advice if you could, if we could record that and send it to your younger self and have her listen to it. Maybe she would have avoided some of this pain, but maybe some of the people listening can avoid some of the depths of pain you went through um, by trying out some of these things. Oh, I absolutely hope so. You know, if anyone's there listening and they feel like they relate to particularly covering up pain in any way, whether it be with alcohol or food or work or your phone or or any of the number of ways, uh, there's There's nothing to fear. There's a myriad of ways people people cover up. Uh, and, And as you said earlier, it's not what you're doing, it's why you're doing it. You know, are you watching TV or drink, having that drink to cover up some pain or to avoid something you don't want to feel? I mean, people are addicted even to exercise. You know, they turn into workout yes. addicts or they're addicted to sex or they're addicted to drama in relationships or drama in daytime TV, <laughs> you know, uh, yes. Or, yes. or reading books addictively. I mean, generally reading books is fairly, you know, it's pretty healthy, but... Sometimes people do it to avoid feeling, you know, they go into the romance novel or the murder mystery or whatever, because it avoids having to think about their own stuff. Yes, yes, exactly. It's all about just looking at your motivation. And, and if you see something or, or, or this interview has made you think, oh, well, there, there might be something in my life, just know that it's extremely normal. We all do it. And in in whatever way is unique to our personality and no pain, no shame, no experience is too great that it can't be healed. You might think, Oh, well, you don't understand what's been in my life. Nothing is too great. None of us is perfect. And so it's, it's safe to feel those feelings and begin the healing process. And and I think, you know, one of the things here is when I don't feel an emotional feeling, it tends to just become worse under the scenes and kind of pop up in other ways. I mean, at least that's my experience. Um, and if if I just sit down even for five minutes and feel the emotion, you know, often it, it will just transform all by itself uh, just by deeply experiencing it. I mean, they're called emotions for a reason because they're energy in motion. And if we let them move, they mm. just move on through and, and we get the whatever message we need to get from them. 
uh, and then we don't have to feel them. Whereas if we try and numb them out or ignore them, they just kind of build up and get worse and worse. Yeah, we think that if we ignore them enough, they'll go away. And we also think that we can't handle the pain or the emotion. If if we were to really sit down and feel it, we f- we're afraid and our ego is afraid that we'll be destroyed. And it doesn't matter how big that pain is or the shame, whatever your emotion it is, even grief, you know, horrible things like grief um, from the death of a loved one or something very extreme and very difficult like that nothing is so so great that it will destroy you we are so resilient and strong and none of us is flawed in such a way none of us is flawed at all so it's safe to feel those things you know we don't have to be afraid i mean that reminds me of that marianne williamson quote that you know our deepest fear is not that we're inadequate our deepest fear is that we're powerful beyond measure and it's our light and not our darkness that most frightens us and and perhaps turning to alcohol or work or food or whatever is because we're afraid of how powerful and how light we are uh, and don't want to find out that we could just heal whatever this pain is in ourselves, you know, in, in minutes if we chose to. That is such a central quote in my life. And one of the things that has, has come up, so I can, I could not agree more. We all have a purpose on this earth, we all have lives we're meant to change and an impact we're meant to make. And yeah, that is a scary, powerful feeling. And often we we choose to preoccupy ourselves with, with things that can be healed in order to avoid that. But um, I believe that we're all just so full of potential. So I, yeah, thank you for bringing that up. And the the other thing I'm curious about, you know, every person accesses their intuition in a different way. Some people hear it, some people know it, some people see it, you know, some people get messages in their dreams. I, I'm kind of curious what ways you access your intuition. Oh, good question. Well, this is a new thing for me. I feel sort of like a toddler in accessing my intuition. So I'm still learning. But one thing that's been helpful for me is to hear out those ideas and thoughts that I would have written off before. So any any of those things that you come up with and you think, oh, that would be really cool, whether it be in your business or your life. And then you have the ego come in and say, oh, that'll never work. Surely so many people have already done that in the case of like a business idea or oh, that's going to be way too difficult. What makes you think you can pull that off? And um, so just my my advice would be to hear those those ideas that you would normally write off. But instead, just like write them down really quickly and take a few moments to consider them and think, well, what if this did work? What would, let's pretend like this is going to work. Then what would happen in that case? So I'm trying to think, think of another example of how I, I feel that I access my, my intuition. But it's also just the thing I feel like I'm supposed to, to do regardless of whether or not I want to do it. So for example, a coach I'm working with right now, I when I was compelled to call her and set up a discovery call with her and I did not have any intention of hiring a coach. I did not want to do it. Um, and then I had a call with her and I felt as if I did not have a choice to, but to hire her. I didn't want to do it. I was like, I can think of so many things in my business. I'd rather I could do with that monthly 
revenue. And then I thought, you know what, I don't have a choice. So that has helped. Sometimes my intuition is very strong like that. But I'm curious to know, Michael, how it, how that is, is with you. How do you access your intuition? So I get thoughts in my head, you know, where I hear, I hear words in my head. Um, thoughts come to me. If I ask, I mean, the question I often use is what would it take to solve a certain business problem? Uh, you know, what would it take to add an extra thousand dollars a week in income to my business with ease and joy would be an example of that. And then idea, you know, thoughts just pop into my head. I mean, right now they pop in pretty immediately, but when I first started this journey, maybe it would take half a day and then something would come to me and I'd have to ask the question repeatedly. And I also do get messages in dreams. I get intuitive messages from animals, you know, sometimes an animal like the other, other day, I saw like eight butterflies in a row. And usually I might see, you know, one butterfly every few days. But this was like, uh, you know, a, a bunch of London buses turning up all at once. Um, so, and butterfly, the meaning of one of the meanings of butterfly is transformation. So that was one of the messages I got from that. Um, and I mean, I will ask guides and angels to help out on a particular business issue. Um, you know, and I'll get information or help from them. Sometimes intuition shows up as the right person turning up in my life. You know, maybe I'm asking for help. You know, what would it take to, to hire the ideal, uh, person for a particular role? And then, you know, someone comes in my life who introduces me to the perfect person. Um, so there are, there are many different ways that intuition can come in. Um, sometimes it's a body feeling, you know, sometimes there's, I'll get a pain in a certain part of my body or a funny feeling in a part of my body. And then I'll talk to that body part and say, Hey, you're trying to tell me something. And often they have some message, uh, for me. Um, you can get messages from different parts of your business. You know, if, if there's part of your business that, that seems to be kind of wanting attention, then that might be a way to get uh, information. I mean, I could look down a list of, if I made a list of all my parts of my business or all the people involved in it, all the clients, all the staff, all the vendors, I could see if any of them, you know, on that list on the computer screen, do any of them kind of stand out? There's something I'm supposed to be doing there. I could look at a list of prospects and does one of them stand out? Yeah, I'm supposed to be talking to them to, this week. Um, so lots of ways. And I, I think the key is, you know, the thing you said earlier about personal growth and, and running a business is don't be hard on yourself. Don't be self-judgmental. Don't be a perfectionist. And that applies to hearing intuitive messages. You know, don't try and make your intuition perfect. Um, you know, give it space, give it compassion. It may not have, you know, it may have been trying to tell you things for many years and you haven't listened so it may take a little while for it to get its voice back. Um, you know, it's almost like our intuition is a is a little child talking to us. Oh, it's a very wise little child. And for the last 20 years, you've been pouring alcohol on it or covering it up with work or closing your ears like one of those monkeys in the, you know, hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. And you've been kind of covering it up and throwing it in the basement of your life so you don't have to listen to it. 
it, it may take a little while for, for it to be able to, you know, say things to you in a way you can hear or give you the knowing in your head or whatever it is. And it may take you a little while having tuned out those messages. It may take you a while to be able to hear them. Yes, I think that's absolutely right. That's why I'm, I, yeah, I feel that I'm training myself to to listen to my intuition after so long of ignoring it. And I'm sure my intuition too is, is, is also working that out. So yeah, thank you for sharing those ways that your intuition has spoken to you. I think that's a great idea to put out maybe all the areas of your business or your prospects or a list of, of suppliers, anything in order to see who, who or what might need your attention the most. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. And you, you can always ask yourself, you know, what would it take to double my intuition this week? And then see what intuitive ideas, ask your intuition itself, what can you do to improve your business intuition? And then see what ideas come to you. Because I, I, can, I and Anna can give ideas to our listeners. At, and at the end of the day, it's your individual intuition. And you may have your own ways that work for you. So ask yourself, what would it take to double my intuition this week? And then you may have to ask that question several times and just see what comes to you. Yeah, I think I'm going to do that myself this week, Michael. Thanks for the advice. I will ask my intuition to what would it take to double my intuition this week? Because I think that's so, so essential. Great. Well, it's been wonderful talking with you, Anna. Uh, if people want to find you, you're AnnaWickham.com, and we will put that in the show notes. Is there anything else you want to share before we go? Um, yes, really quick. I... I also founded a membership community for business owners who want to learn how to market their business online. And this was the intuitive idea that came to me. And it was it was absolutely the center of my purpose and where I'm supposed to be. And if anyone's interested in checking that out, you can find that at influence-school.com, influence school, influence-school.com. Well, we'll put that in the show notes too. And may you have a wonderfully intuitive, happy, and profitable week in your business. Thank you, Michael. Thanks so much for having me. Get strategies and show notes at intuitiveleadershipmastery.com. What would it take to see you here next time on the Intuitive Leadership Mastery Podcast?